Knowledge of AI really isn't important. So I think when people are thinking about AI, a blocker is often, well, I don't know anything about it, so I'll avoid it, which is quite a dangerous mindset. Change is a difficult thing to get your head around for a few reasons. Firstly, accepting that the way you're doing something may not be the best way is a big thing. And what we saw at Upwork and what we continue to see as we go on with all these different companies is actually people don't necessarily want to use a new system. No. They just want stuff to happen. If you're expecting people to go outside their norm, you've got to put a physical mental barrier in that says stop what you're doing that you normally do, go and do that thing and then come back. And that's a very difficult thing to get people to do. Hi, I'm Freya. Welcome to the Skynet Chronicles, business in the AI age, the podcast that dives deep into the world where artificial intelligence meets business. Join us as we explore the latest trends, challenges, and opportunities in this ever-evolving landscape. From innovative startups to established enterprises, we'll uncover the secrets behind the successful integration of AI technologies. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and get ready to unlock the mysteries of business in the AI age. Hi, Chris. Good morning. So welcome to the Skynet Chronicles podcast. Thank you. So let's start right at the beginning with you. How did <laughs> you get here? How did I get here? I, um, as many others at my age, went to uni because that's what I thought people should do at the age of 18. I went to study forensic chemistry and I hated the course with a passion. Forensic Forensic chemistry. chemistry. Hated it. It was the wrong choice for me but very much enjoyed the university lifestyle. Um, so more, too much of the lifestyle, not enough of the course. And dropped out because I realised that there's more to life than, than trying to get a degree in something you don't enjoy. So dropped out, went and got a few corporate jobs. Started Actually, no, started behind a bar for a, a year and then started in the corporate world. Um, went through banking, financial services, the normal um, route, I suppose. Normal. So, sorry, forensic <laughs> you know, chemistry. Forensic bar chemistry. Banking is yeah, the normal financial route. Financial services, <laughs> the normal route for an 18 year old, 19, 20 year old. Um, then uh, got the did a bit of sales work, so selling insurance for motorhomes and caravans. That was a highlight. Particularly enjoyed that. Um, recruitment, which we won't talk about because I wasn't very good at it. And then, uh, yes, I was working for a company called Hobart who sell dishwashers and, and stuff like that. Uh, got more into the operational side of that business and kind of found my niche. Um, being able to do a bit of everything, bit of finance, bit of operational stuff, bit of logistics, um, and a lot of business process development, which is where I started realizing that I was good and enjoyed it. Um, from there, went on to try and start my own company with a friend. We did quite well around GDPR and and some software around that, and we didn't lose any money, so that's a that's a that's a win. Um, and is. then yeah, it is. And then you guys put an advert out for a an operational dude, and it talked about the Avengers, and it struck a chord with my geeky nerdy side, and that was in twenty twenty one, twenty two. I can't remember. A couple of years ago, twenty one. Over two years. Twenty one. So here I am. Yeah, two and a half years, and. Uh, very much enjoying the uh, the ride. Okay, so tell me a different story. Tell me about buying a Kia. <laughs> I like this story. So nobody, and I really do mean nobody, in their late 20s, early 30s, gets excited about the thought of buying a Kia Sportage. 
yet I am the owner of a Kia Sportage. So uh, I went to buy a new car, not a brand new one, definitely couldn't afford that. Um, went to one of the generic dealerships and so not one that sells a specific brand. They, you know, I can't remember what it's called, but they sell everything secondhand. And I walked in and I'd seen what I liked the look of. I was wanting something that was kind of practical because I've got a family now and also not, not that practical because I still had a fun side. So I was looking like a, a sporty Focus or a, an Astra, sporty Astra, something along that sort of line was where I was aiming. And I walked in, saw what I wanted, saw what I liked the look of and sat down and 20, 25 minutes came, went by and no one, no one came to say hello. Then a salesperson came over eventually in a very shiny suit and said hello. And we talked a bit about what I wanted. And uh, off we went to look around the showroom. And he pointed out a Mazda. Would have been a Mazda 3, I think. From An exciting car. A very exciting car. <laughs> but again, the sporty air version. You, there's a theme here. Um, yeah, so we saw that. And then he said, take a seat and I'll get my finance guy to come and see you. And 25 minutes goes by and no one arrives, another 20 minutes. And then eventually out comes the finance person, takes me into a little office and tells me that he's very excited to see if he can get me to uh, where I need to be on the Maserati that, um, that I'd been discussing with the sales guy. To which I said, you know, that's, that's not what I was talking about. And by this point, I was realizing that I'd been there a long time. No one was really listening to what I wanted. Clearly, they had some reason to get rid of this Maserati because he was pushing it. Um, went through the finance. I told him what I could afford. He said, well, I can't quite do that. But here's something that, that you might be able to afford on the Maserati. So back to that plumbing car again. And um, yeah, it was just a bad experience generally. So I went and sat back down in the waiting room as he got the salesperson back. Another 20 minutes went by. No one was there. So I just walked out. I walked out realizing I needed the loo, should have gone, but I refused to go back into that place to use it. Um, and as I looked around, I could see the Kia showroom over the other, the other side of the road. So I thought I'll pop in, be cheeky, use their loo, they'll be fine with it. Why not? They want people to buy cars. Yeah, they want people in their showroom, so it's got to be a good thing. Um, and it was just a completely, when, as soon as you walked in, it was a completely different environment. You know, they were very... They weren't pushy. They came over. I was really honest and said, I really just need the loot. And they were fine with it. They didn't say no. They didn't. They just said, go on, off you go. Um, if you see any cars you like on the way, let me know. That's a bit of a joke. And it just went from there. And they were so good at the people part. And their processes were so good because I didn't have to go and see a finance person as well as a salesperson. The salesperson had the tools in front of them to do everything. And we talked about a couple of cars. He showed me them. I found a Sportage that was quite nice. Hadn't really thought about Kia before, but it was a nice car. And the, you know, because everything flowed so smoothly, within 40 minutes, I was signing on the line for a car that I wouldn't have even thought about buying before I walked in. And it's, a, it's an interesting story that I recall because it says a lot about how people buy and how, how many opportunities businesses miss out on because their process is a naff. Yep. And Kia won my business, not very big business, but won my business because their processes were good, their people knew what they were doing, and the other dealership lost it because they were just awful in every way possible. Yeah, so it's, it's a story about how processes can make a difference, really, um, and help you win something that maybe you wouldn't have even had a shot with before. And that sort of little and gentle change management mm. yes you can use alu 
Would you like a cup of coffee, sir? Yeah. Little light tweaks to yeah. guide you on a path so you fit their perfect process mm -hmm. versus Absolutely. the, yes. well, we really need to sell a Maserati this month. Yeah. It's been sat there and nobody wants it because they fall apart, um, <laughs> allegedly. We'll ask every customer that walks through the door if they want the Maserati. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that, that gentle change management process mm -hmm. combined with an efficient operation. Yeah sold them a car it also helped that the toilet was at the back of the showroom past all the brand new sparkly Entirely cars by that design. Looked very <laughs> it certainly helped superb mm. so changing gears a little bit yep what do we look for in a customer changing gears is an exceptional joke fantastic well done what do we look for in a customer we look for businesses who have got a problem to solve but they don't know how to solve it or the way they're trying to solve it is expensive or involves a lot of people hours so any customer who can say to and that's generally how we start a conversation is what's your biggest challenge right now yeah. so when a customer sits down they tell us well you know my challenge is i don't know i'm a building surveyor and i'm spending too much of my time in the office writing a report rather than surveying buildings that's the sort of customer we love because you make your money surveying buildings you don't make your money writing reports if you want to grow the business if you want to earn more money for your business and for yourself then do you do it by spending more time writing things in your office or do you do it by spending more of your time surveying more buildings they're the sort of customers we like is the ones that have got a problem or have got a challenge and they need some help in solving it because automation and ai can take a lot of the heavy lifting away and it lets people do what they're good at what they enjoy frees up time or just helps them to earn more. And do you think that generally different size organizations have different willingness or ability to adopt that sort of um, corporational allergic reaction to change? <clears throat> yes. The bigger the corporation, the harder change is generally. That said, I've met plenty of small organizations and, and companies whose leadership haven't been willing to change or haven't wanted to change or haven't known how to change so it's all gone wrong and i've met a couple not so many bigger enterprises who because leadership have driven change from the top and have been proactive about how they communicate with the people the change has been a lot easier to handle than than it would have been so generally yes the bigger the company the harder the the, the change management process um, but there are exceptions and it always comes down to how the people at the top drive that change from inside. Fantastic. So that leads in quite nicely to what factors influence a successful AI implementation. Hmm. Knowledge of AI is not one of them. We, we have plenty of customers who don't know anything about AI when we first sit down with them to talk about what they're after. Some of them don't even know anything about computing. No, no. And that's not doesn't matter, does it? No, and you know, we I spoke to a, I spoke to a farmer who, in a networking event, and he joked and said, "Well, I thought when you started talking about AI, I thought you were talking about artificial insemination." So it was a bit of a shock for him to uh, to hear something about computers. But thankfully, we don't need big gloves. <laughs> no, we don't need big gloves, and I know nothing about that anyway. So that's good. Um, but yeah, knowledge of AI really isn't important. So I think when people are thinking about AI, a blocker is often, well, I don't know anything about it so I'll avoid it, which is quite a dangerous mindset. Um, but when we're looking at successful implementations, it's the willingness to change, having people within the business who are willing to change, 
Um, and having a realization of what the problem is you're trying to solve and a view of what you want it to look like when you're finished. Because we've talked to plenty of people, um, and I know both of us have had this, where they say, oh yeah, I, I want AI. And you think, well, okay, great. And then we'd sit down and actually their, their internal systems are still a early noughties access database. Um, and their website was built 15 years ago and, 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 and. So, you know, there are steps you need to take to, to get that implementation in. But unless you've got an awareness of what the real problem is at the root of what you're trying to solve, then it's very difficult. Yeah, I think that that's the, that's the most successful part of an implementation is just working out what that problem is and, and accepting that maybe AI is not the fix straight away. Maybe there's something else we can do that's a lot easier to, to make your life a lot easier, quicker. And we see that quite often, don't we? So Absolutely. companies will come to us and want to talk to about, talk about AI. Yeah. So we'll talk about some of the potential possibilities, some mm. of the capabilities that are out there. Yeah. And then it turns out that they're running on a paper-based system or they're using a database <laughs> yeah. that's 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And so in order to get to a point where we can start to help them with the AI capabilities, we've actually just got to bring them forward a couple of decades. Absolutely. And that that's fine. I mean, it, it's part of the fun of playing with these it capabilities is. and we're using them in order to get them on that journey anyway. Yeah. And I enjoy that aspect. Like I said, pr um, process automation and business improvement is something I genuinely enjoy. And that, that first sit down with a, with a new customer of what's your biggest problem. That's the most part of, exciting part of the journey for me to work out how we can help people move forward. Um, and yeah, if it needs to be, well, the first thing we need to do is think about a CRM system because you actually don't have anything structured in terms of data, yeah. that's great. We'll help you with that because we know that's the step, the first step on a journey that's going to lead to something really cool at the end, which is AI that's going to going to help you. So I was having a conversation the other day with a company who have got a custom configurator for their product, and they were saying, "Oh, it's really, it's a really complicated configurator. Um, <laughs> we probably need to just leave that alone and maybe carry on do bits around the side." I love that. And I said, well, well, how complicated is it? <clears throat> because in 2003, we built the options configurator at Perkins Engines, which handled 600 options <laughs> yeah. and a number of variations that I can't even compute in my head, but it was something like 10 to the power of 180, mm. just a wow. huge number of potential combinations. And so actually after that, no configurator seems that complicated. No. And could we replicate what it's currently doing? Mm quickly and easily and have that as part of a solution rather than trying to interface with something that's already broken and doesn't really work yep the possibilities are endless that's an it's a really interesting sentence the part at the beginning when you said they said something along the lines of so we'll need to leave that alone and that's what i'm talking when i say that the most important part of success of an implementation is understanding the problem i wouldn't i'd like to i'd, I'd be intrigued to know whether that was leave it alone because we're scared of approaching it Yep. which is normally the case Absolutely. or if it's leave it alone because we've tried a few times with different methods that haven't worked uh, but either way breaking that mindset is is the key to that that project certainly it's, it's an amazing and configurators amazing aren't that difficult no they're not and when somebody <laughs> says well we've been quoted a hundred grand to <laughs> implement a new configurator in erp system I'm like well mm. First of all, don't change your ERP system because that's probably going to kill one the company. One at a time. <laughs> one at a time. Both of those things are huge things. Yeah, do absolutely. not do both. No. I did a. Um, I worked for a, a couple of years for a software company who did. They were quoting and configuration platform, and every company 
that we've ever spoken to in that role and every company I've ever spoken to in this one around that sort of thing thinks their thing is the most complicated in the world we've got so many variabilities so many options yeah. have you have you have you really are you sure or have you just got an oven that needs to be gas and electric and has a different door on it and has different colors <laughs> we're not even going to vary the seal color yeah exactly the door. <laughs> but yeah but, you know um i think that's a it's a really interesting point that a lot of companies do see their thing as as a very complicated beast when a, a few pairs of outside eyes can can probably help make it a lot easier. Okay, so a bit of a theoretical question. Mm. When change is the only constant, how do you get comfortable with it? <laughs> it's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Because if it's the only constant, in theory, we should be comfortable with it because we're, we're comfortable with things that are constant. But so if have you ever met is... anybody that is comfortable with <laughs> no, absolutely not, no. Um, Change is a difficult thing to get your head around for a few reasons. Firstly, accepting that the way you're doing something may not be the best way is a big thing. There's an ego part of that. And human behavior is the most difficult part of any implementation. Yep. It, any, any, any product manager, any uh, IT person who does, has to deal with customers will, will agree with that human behavior is the hardest thing you can change coding you can change a piece of software you can build a bit of software and yes it'll have bugs and it'll be fine but eventually you're going to have to get people to use it and that's the way that i think that's the most difficult part of change is working out how to get people to change their mindset around what they do because you don't want to be told that the way you're doing something is not the best way you know you always think you're the expert in your field and we all do that so um, getting comfortable with change, I think is, it's quite a philosophical thing to a point. You've got to get comfortable with accepting who you are as not the perfect person in whatever it is you do. Um, and I think that's why I'm personally very comfortable with change is because I know I'm an idiot most of the time. <laughs> I've accepted that many years ago that I'm not, I'm not the best at, at what I do. I, I'm not the expert in everything I do. And there's always someone I can learn something from. So if you approach change with that mindset, you've got a much better chance of actually seeing that change through. And I think something that we've seen with some of the customers that we work with is actually you don't necessarily need to change in order to benefit from AI capability. Mm. So some processes, you, you sort of naturally lean towards if you're implementing new technology, it's a new interface, you've got to log yeah. into this system, you've got to do this, that and the other. And what we saw at Upwork and what we continue to see as we go on with all these different companies is actually people don't necessarily want to use a new system. No. They just want stuff to happen. So sometimes yeah. we're able to build a solution which there is no interface that the user in works with. They just do what they always did. <laughs> and then the magic happens behind the scenes. Could you talk a bit about that? Yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier that when I left Hobart, I went to start a software company in the height of GDPR. So when when data protection was a big you know, buzzword and everyone was panicking and spending thousands of pounds all over the place. And one of the big learners I took away from that is, is a very good friend of mine, Phil, who, who, we, did, who we went into business with, who I went into business with. He, um, we, we, we focused on building a, a new system and a new tool. Yeah. And, um, and at the time we, we didn't really give enough thought to people not wanting another set of logins to another thing and not wanting to go outside their, their comfort zone of process as it is to do something different to add on. 
Um, and that was one of the biggest learners I took away from that, that project and that experience was if you're going to do something, AI is a great, great example. If you can, if you can build AI into your current process stream, your current software, if it's, you know, if it's new enough to be able to do that, or if not get, get a way of working it into how you work today, the change management is a lot easier because you're not expecting people to then stop what they're doing. So they've got to have that. If you're expecting people to go outside their norm, you've got to put a physical mental barrier in that says, stop what you're doing that you normally do, go and do that thing and then come back. And that's a very difficult thing to get people to do. And that's why so many software companies see when, when someone signs up to the software, they see a spike while people go in, in users, when people go, oh, this is new, this is cool, this is fun. And then it tanks because people go, oh, I'm just going to carry on doing what I was doing. Yes, that's a new thing. And I remember playing with it. It was fun, but I'm just going to carry on doing the way I do it. And it's every software company I've ever worked with, you see that trend. People go, oh, exciting thing. And then logins go and hit the, hit the floor and then retain, you know, you don't retain the customers. And it's a whole, it's a whole problem for in that industry has been for a long time. So if you can build these very cool, new tools into what you're doing then it's the best way to get people to adopt them so drop this file into this folder and have magic done to it drop this file into this folder and have magic done to it yeah that should be a strap line really <laughs> <laughs> another one absolutely if you think back we were talking about i used the example earlier of a, of a you know if you were a building surveyor and you wanted to write a report if you gave a building surveyor a login to a website and asked them to go and write their report in the website rather than in Word, and at the end of that report it did something, they might use it. If you said to a building surveyor, drop the audio from the transcription that you've just done while you're walking around the, around the building into this folder, and within however many minutes, we'll email you the finished report for you to check which one's going to get the adoption? It's going to be the latter because you're, you're removing barriers and you're removing friction to people using it. So that's why whenever we, certainly within Project Rising, that's how we approach things, is how can we get AI or automation if people aren't ready for AI into the current business flows rather than adding steps that will cause friction. Superb. So how can individuals and companies keep up with the capabilities in AI? First and foremost, find yourself a cracking podcast. <laughs> um, it's funny, when you speak to people or when you hear about experts in AI, there's a few different fields that these experts fall into. There's what I'm going to call, with all respect, the geeky nerds who've been doing AI coding and research for years and years and years and years. And they'll go very technical. So you could listen to them in terms of keeping up. But if you're not a geeky nerd, then you probably won't find it very interesting or you won't learn much. There are those who have sprung up as AI experts because they've worked out how to use ChatGPT. You probably don't listen to them. Although you might find some nuggets of information in what they're saying. Even though what they're saying has been written by ChatGPT. <laughs> Ironically, yeah. Uh, it's always good to get an AI tool to write about itself. That's always a bit of a scary thought. Uh, but yeah, the... Or there's the third, there's the third category, which are the ones that you should be sort of grabbing hold of and, and really listening. Which are those that are proper geeks in that they enjoy 
software and enjoy tools. Business people, there are business people at the same time who understand the challenges that businesses have. If you can go and listen to those people speak, then the time that you spend listening to them is is going to be more useful than anything. There are a few um, newsletters and, and news updates that are now around specifically for AI. So learning, finding those, subscribing to those is, is important. But generally, I think stepping back and looking at how you do things now and working out what problem you need to solve is the most important part of keeping up with AI. Because if you don't know what you're trying to solve, then you could listen to all the AI news in the world and you'll end up where we often end up, which is playing with things that are new and cool and exciting, which is great for us because it means we can talk about those things with customers and because that's what we do. But if you're in a specific business doing a specific thing, or if you're an individual with a certain hobby maybe that you know you want help with, then working out what the biggest problem is you want to solve and then going and finding a tool that helps you do that is the best way of keeping up with AI. It's funny because we had a, we became aware of a brand who had a different approach to that. They said, well, this year we had 200 grand to spend mm. on Metaverse. Mm. And we've only yep. spent a bit of that on Metaverse. So can we spend the rest of that on AI? What would you like to achieve? <laughs> We'd like to be able to say that we spent the money on AI. It's crazy. It's the new it's the new greenwashing. Greenwashing? Yeah, greenwashing. People when sustainability became a hot topic, people wouldn't care what they were spending money on. They just wanted to tell people they were spending money on it. It could be planting trees at the other side of the world. It could be solar panels for the office. It doesn't in their head at the time, it didn't matter what you were spending money on as long as you could shout about the fact that you were spending money on it. And it's kind of the same now. People don't, in your example, they don't really care what they're spending money on. Just they just want to be able to say, either our business is a, an AI business, so we, you know, we're front of the pack, or they want to just lever the words supported by AI into their marketing, especially in the software industry. We're seeing a lot of that, where people are saying their software is AI enhanced or supported by AI. Um, Even if they've just got somebody in the office that's using ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. It's a blog writer in the office using ChatGPT to write really awful blogs, <laughs> copy and paste onto the website. But that, in the, you know, that's an AI-enhanced, enabled company, isn't it? <laughs> so I think that's the thing. It's, um, yeah, there's a lot of people that just want to spend money on it. And I enjoy that part of, of what we do, is where people say to us, we want to, we want, we want a chatbot. And we want it to be able to do this thing on the website all the time. And go, okay, great. We could, we could definitely write you an AI chatbot. But why? But why? And when it does the thing you want it to do, what then? So, yes, all right. Let's say you're a building surveyor, because I'm going to keep coming back to that. Let's say you're a building surveyor and you want an AI chatbot on your website. And it can answer some questions um, in an authentically human way. Cool. It's not going to earn you any money. And how could it earn you money? Yeah, exactly. How, how, how will you then engage with that information to do something useful for either you or the customer or both? And that's, that's the fun part. And, and that's when you start hearing th people and go, oh, yeah, well, um, well, we don't have a CRM system, so we can't sort of manage that automatically when we do have conversations. And, you know, we don't have a, a strategy for dealing with incoming web. And you think, well, 
great, yeah. You can spend thousands of pounds on a custom AI bot and we'll happily take your money. But don't do that yet. But yeah, but don't. <laughs> don't do it. Here's some ways you can actually make money in your yeah. business that makes sense. Yeah. And spend an it. AI chatbot on your website isn't that at the moment. Exactly. Now, there are examples where it absolutely is and it can be a of business course. model. Yeah. But it has to be, what is the solution going to do that's going to either reduce costs or generate revenue for your business? Which comes back to my the point I'll make anytime anyone lets me talk, which is you have to know what problem you're trying to solve before you start spending money. You could spend tens of thousands of pounds on a custom AI bot that looks like your MD with that your MD's voice that will, you know, that will that will do video interviews. I think we might come back to that one in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, not your face. Um, that will do video interaction, so you can look like you're talking to a real human. You could do that. Are we'll you help you do to that. A real human. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are you even here? Are we any of us real? It's the Matrix. You could do that, and we could do it for you. And but we won't do it because we know that you just, it's not the best way to spend that money. Spend a fraction of it doing something much more useful with a new CRM and a bit of automation, so that. Your CRM talks to your ERP system. If that's not happening, do that first because that will make everyone's life a lot easier and then think about the chatbot. Yeah. Awesome. So what happens if an individual or company chooses not to learn, not to play with AI? There's a thought process out there and it's, it's quite widespread that if you don't adopt AI... Or if you don't think about AI, then you can just go on as you are, which is false. Because all you need is for someone else in your industry or someone else who does what you do to think about it and start doing things better than they've been doing it. And the whole landscape of your industry will change. So this idea that I don't need AI, I've been doing what I'm doing for however many years, I'll carry on as I am is a falsity and even if you get to the end of it a process of of thinking about change and decide not to change at least you've thought about it it there are so many companies that are starting to win huge chunks of industry that they hadn't had before because they've and i don't think it's necessarily about having the ai but i think that process of going down to look at what you could be doing better and how AI can support bits of the business in doing it better. That process is is so beneficial to, I would say, every single company that exists. So, yeah, there's no such thing as sitting still anymore. Isn't and we there, talk, Isn't there just the conversation, well, we've always done it this way. Why do we need to change? It works for us. Absolutely. And if you were doing things this way in the 70s, and you had that mindset and then you thought I'm never going to adopt a computer or the internet, then you won't, you're not here anymore. There are very few companies who could say that in the seventies or the eighties and are still doing things in that way today successfully. They're always going to be the odd example in the odd industry somewhere where paper is best, of course. But that shift of going from paper-based operations to computer-based from phone selling to having an internet storefront those transitions have happened to the extent now where no one would listen to you if you said oh yeah i've been doing i've been doing this 
the same way since the 80s and I've never changed. In fact, no, I changed that. Everyone would listen to you because they'd be so intrigued as to how you've made it happen because it's so different. And in the last last episode, you talked about the rate of change and how um, how the rate of change around AI is so much greater than the rate of change of anything else we've seen. So in, in human history, I think you used, my memory's a bit fuzzy, electrification as the example. That, that happened over however many decades. And then computers happened over the, a less amount of decades. And then the internet happened over a number of years rather than decades. And, 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 and. And the rate of change is so great with AI that if you don't start thinking about it, you won't be here in... I don't. I was about to say five, ten years time. It might be sooner than that, yeah, that and I think so. it's going to vary by industry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that the, the most dangerous thing is sitting there and thinking, "It'll be fine. I'll just do what I'm doing." Unless you're a blacksmith, I think blacksmiths and possibly <laughs> um, traditional carpenters <laughs> might be the exception. I disagree. Do you? I really quite fancy being a blacksmith. Absolutely, but <laughs> if you go back to the first thing I said, which was even if AI helps you do what you do better and quicker and more, even blacksmiths and carpenters have a business to run. So they, even them have the, the boring, really boring invoicing cycle, chasing debt, company accounts at the end of the year. Well, that still has to happen. I was just going to trade bits of metal for bread. <laughs> yeah, let's get outside the money circle. <laughs> money cycle, yeah. Okay. Tell us about an AI example that you're really into at the moment. I'm into two. Okay. So depending on how much time we've got, I'm going to talk about both. We've got some or time. talk about both quickly. <laughs> uh, Synthesia. Um, by the way, I think it's important to mention that we, we like to do this little bit on the podcast. Uh, we're not sponsored by anyone. So these are genuinely tools that we, are, we quite like. Uh, Synthesia is quite a cool one. Um, I like it. It's a video tool that helps to bring video avatars to life in fact the um the lady who introduces the podcast who's lovely freya freya that's it freya is uh we use synthesia for her um and the reason that i'm interested and i find this one so exciting is again it's a rate of change thing we played around with this tool was it a year ago it wasn't even even a year ago was it and it was clunky and i remember we went ha this is this could be something cool but right now it's clunky and the lip sync wasn't quite right and the head was stationary but the lips were moving um and the voice sounded very robotic and here we are less than yeah you're right it must be nine months months, six nine months on to the point where we're going well actually we can use that for the the opener to the to the ai podcast um so the yeah that tool is is one to watch because and especially the technology around it because if you think how far it's come in six months in another six months' time, if we're still doing the podcast, we, maybe we'll refresh Freya and we'll and we'll do something a bit 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 different. But I'm excited to see where that goes. I think she needs pink hair. She does need pink hair. She does. You're right. <laughs> or or hair that changes colour subtly throughout the video, so it Ooh, starts with blue and ends I with think pink. We need to send a product request. <laughs> yeah, but no, Synthesia is a, is a cool tool um, for for anything where you need a video avatar to 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 host something, to launch something, or just to talk about something. So, so an avatar is a, a word that not all of the uh, okay. audience may have heard of. So can you explain a bit about the process? Yeah, so when we're creating... So an avatar is effectively a digital version of 
a person. Now, that's what we mean when we talk about avatar in this sense. It's not necessarily a real person either. It could be a digital version of a, an AI-created person. Um, but the process around certainly what we did is to to choose an avatar through the Synthesia um, system, choose a voice that we quite liked, type some text in, and away it went. It's, it's, it is that easy now to create a video that could host training videos or you know, marketing materials that you go on your website. Um, if, if you don't want to front them yourself, you haven't got the time to, or you don't want to be in front of the camera, or, or if you just want something, someone who's a, a different gender to, to maybe how you, the gender you are or different ethnicity to the gender you are, uh, to the ethnicity you That's are. That's an interesting combo. Yeah. <laughs> um, then it's easily done now. And you can, you can, it sounds awful, and I'm going to say this really crassly, you can front the, the business in whichever way you want. Um, and your your web presence or your digital presence can be anything you choose it to be. It's a very exciting thing. You can almost see a scenario where if you've got a leader of a company who doesn't like to be on film, doesn't yeah, like to be in sure. front of people, could set up a green screen, record yeah. mm -hmm. a certain set of words, a certain sequence mm -hmm. of sayings and, and gestures, and then have themselves present all of the videos they wanted with their admin actually writing what's being said. Using ChatGPT. Potentially. <laughs> But and again, you know, there's a lot of words that we use that, that could put people off. So you just said set up a green screen. £7.50 from Amazon, you could buy a green curtain of the right colour to put in your office at home. It's not like you have to have a full digital setup to You've be able to do that. have got one of those. Pardon? Have you got one of those? No, but I don't know why now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, maybe we all need them. <laughs> but that's all you need is to be if to, to get started on something like that. And the technology is going to be to the point where... No, I don't know why you'd choose your face specifically, but no, could choose not. your choose face one. to be um, to be green screened and, and in a in a product like that, that we, would be we de-age me a bit. Yeah, take some of the wrinkles away. Thanks. <laughs> um, but why not? Why not? If you're conscious about something, why not change it in in the in the video front that you put on there? It's a, it's a very exciting thing to think about. It's a very scary thing to think about, and we've touched on on what is real and what is truth in the last episode. Yeah. So I'm not going to go into it again, but it is quite a quite a cool thing to think of. And if I've got time to talk about the other one very quickly, well, I think we have got time. <laughs> it's we'll go long. Cuts. We'll do what we want. <laughs> um, the other one is is I'm going to take it back to basics. Um, Mid Journey and Dali, two image generators. Again, they're exciting because of the what just the speed that they've gone from being a bit fun and a bit dodgy. For example, we've all seen them, faces and you know, when they're generating faces my and hands got nine fingers. fingers and three legs <laughs> on an image, um, those problems are gone now. Um, and, it, and the other one that was a common complaint from people was text in an image. So if you wanted to a Ford car, for example, not sponsored by Ford either, um, then it would generate a good looking vehicle based on the Fords that it knows of. But then when it tried to put the Ford word on the front it would be some random assortment of characters that made no sense yeah and that problem's gone you know i i created a um a children's book at night last two weeks ago no not even that um just a fun one to entertain my family uh, it took me about 20 minutes half an hour and the images were so good that i managed to get my wife's name into the images that mid journey and dali created for me 
And that wasn't possible six months ago. That so, wasn't possible a month ago. No, no, that's true. Yeah, it wasn't. So you can tell when we're filming this by 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 that. But yeah, those, those products are coming so fast that the rate of improvement is so rapid that, um, yeah, well worth checking out. Yeah, and with mid-journey, you had to be super specific in terms of what you mm -hmm. wanted to get. And you could go into camera type, shutter speed and all sorts of photography. Yeah. But with Dali now, you can have the conversation in chat. Yeah. And just say, I want it to do these things. Can you come up with the perfect prompt for it? Mm -hmm. And it will self-write the prompts in order to produce the images. And it's funny because we were doing that six months, nine months ago when yeah. we were presenting um, about AI when ChatGPT first hit the, the masses. Um, and we were saying how that was a hack. You know, get ChatGPT to write the prompt that you want well, for mid-journey. built an early tool that ran GPT-4 quotes yeah. and produced amazing photos off the back of it. And this goes back to that whole software acceleration and death thing in the life cycle because we wrote that and it was amazing nine, ten months ago. Yep. And now it's defunct and, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a real thing that other companies are doing and, and charging money for. But yeah, yeah, those two are worth, those three are well worth checking out. Three. We're supposed to do one. No. You're using all the fodder for future episodes. <laughs> There's but plenty be of more. tools. There's plenty of tools. <laughs> okay. So in what ways do you anticipate AI will revolutionize your industry? And how is Project Rising poised to leverage that? I'm gonna. It's a tough question for me because obviously my industry is Project Rising and is AI. Um, but I'm going to take a slightly different lens on it because my day-to-day -day is more the operational side. So if I just think about, let's just think about the finance aspect of my job. So um, sort of the finance director type industry, maybe accounting is in general. Accounting is very legislative driven. There's a lot of rules around it. Um, you have to do things in a certain way. You have to stick to legislation, regulation. Or you get an accountant to do it for you. Or you get an accountant to do it for you. And you still have to trust that the accountant knows what they're doing. And that's still a big thing. We've met dodgy accountants along the way yep. um, who know the rules well enough to know how to bend them and can get you into serious trouble if you want to. We avoid them like the plague, but Absolutely. we know they're out there. So I think AI can help interpret legislation. I've certainly seen it um, with data protection, being able to break down a hundred of words, something like, let's say GDPR or the Data Protection Act, break it down into a usable, readable, really, hu ironically, humanized um, and understandable document yep. is, is, is amazing. And it's something we couldn't have done a year ago without paying an expert a lot of money to do it. So I think being able to take parts of your job that are heavily regulated and interpret that regulation in a way that makes your job easier is probably where I see the most benefit for for what I do in day-to-day. -day. Superb. Yes. So I think that's about it for this podcast. Awesome. Next time up, we've got a super secret special guest. Um, it's probably secret still because we haven't actually confirmed that they're attending. So we'll uh, we find the right have. person. And once we've got them, <laughs> then they're, they're definitely super secret and special. <laughs> um, and we look forward to that conversation. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Cheers.